1: All right. Remember, we did a podcast a few days ago, and I think we said, hey, it's great. Kyrie opted in. The Nets are not going to blow it up. Well, it took 48 hours, and in stunning fashion, the Nets are all very much likely to blow it up after Kevin Durant decided to kill us. Kevin Durant decided to crap all over us. Kevin Durant, who I once thought was one of us, said to all of us, go F yourselves. I want the hell out. On that note, hey, Mike, how you feeling? Uh, terrible.
0: Uh, Sports-related, brutal. That was uh, a gut punch of epic proportions. And knowing that your team has no chance to win an NBA championship for the foreseeable future after maybe it wasn't likely or maybe it was difficult, at least was possible. So with knowing that, uh, not feeling great.
1: Oh, dude, this is the worst. I mean, we are going to look back at this. And I-, I know we don't know how the Nets are going to look after this. Uh, what this team's going to look like over the next five years or 10 years, but this is going to go down as such a tease and such a failure. And for everyone out there, who's been laughing at the nets, I get it because we would have been laughing too. Uh, the hope, the promise from June 30th, 2019, the idea of, wow, at the minimum we're going to see a team in a couple of NBA finals at the yeah. minimum we We're going to be really good for a bunch of years and for it to end after really only two seasons, the first season doesn't even count. We got two seasons out of this. Not only did this team never win, I think what really kills me. And I think the thing we're going to look back on is that we never saw this team play together. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned that to you a few days ago, the hope of this upcoming season that we'll finally get to see them play together. We'll finally see Katie and Kyrie play more than a handful of games together and have a supporting cast and the fact that we're never gonna see that. We can't even look at this and say, yeah, they couldn't win. They failed on the court because ultimately we never got to see them fail on the court. And I think that's the biggest frustration of the whole thing.
0: No doubt. And you brought up this multiple times when we've chatted about this before was you know, after that Bucks second round loss and the second round and the game seven second round was just brutal. You had mentioned the point, like you know, you you see that game and you go revenge tour next year. We're gonna come all together next year. And that will be the highlight, really, of the Nets in the Kevin Durant era was the Game 5 where he put on a show, had the amazing play, and then that Game 7 three-pointer that was a two-pointer because his toes were on the line. Like, that was it. That was the best it got, and that wasn't good enough. And as your point, we'll be remembered more not for failures in big playoff spots or Kevin Durant missing free throws or Kyrie Irving unable to deliver in a spot against his former teammate in LeBron James in the NBA Finals. This will all boil down to when we remember the Brooklyn Nets just being an epic failure beyond basketball that you had three future Hall of Famers and they're going to lose them all
1: in the same calendar year is insane. Dude, it's it's just unbelievable. It's a reminder that as fans, we're just never going to see anything good. You know, we're just never going to see the promised land. How the hell can any Net fan ever say, And don't give me the idea of, well, look at all the assets we're going to get back. Look at this. Look at that. Dude, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant were on the same freaking team. And everything that could go wrong went wrong. And when this story came out in the afternoon on Thursday, and obviously my first reaction was shock. I had to deal with it on the air, which is not ideal. Very similar to finding out about the James Harden trade. And I think for the first hour, my anger was exclusively at the Nets exclusively at Joseph Sy for effing this up and I remain there and we talked about this a few days ago Joseph Sy played with fire and that's not to exonerate Irving it's not to exonerate Kevin Durant but he played a risk award game with this Kyrie Irving negotiation that had the potential to blow up and even though Kyrie opted in and we thought hey temporarily oh they got away with it they played a great game of chess they didn't Mm -hmm. and in a star driven league you can't do that but on the other side Kevin Durant doesn't make any freaking sense to me. Like, I don't understand how this, how the handling of the Irving contract would be enough to say, get me out. Especially, this is a guy who has heard nothing for years. All he's heard was, it was gutless how you left the Thunder to go to the Warriors. You're a snake, you're this, you're that. And even though he took criticism for coming to Brooklyn, if he won here, it would have been the ultimate. And instead, he asks out, he lists the two best teams in each conference or the best team in each conference as the team he wants to go to. He's got to realize that he's going to look like the ultimate bitch. Like, he may not care, but that's how he's going to look. And I'm racking my brain for the last day saying, why? Like, Mm. ultimately, what happened that pissed you off so much that you said, trade me to another team, where you have no control over where you go, by the way. You're so pissed off at this owner, who I agree is a buffoon, but you're so pissed off at this owner because of the way they handled the Kyrie negotiations that you're willing to, for the second time in your career, put your legacy through the blender? Why?
0: I'm so glad you brought that up because I said this uh, yesterday when I recorded Bad Weather Fans. I had to do this in front of a Knicks fan, but when I brought this up, To me, you can't tell me that those negotiations all of a sudden triggered Kevin Durant to say, yeah, I'm done with this. Like To me, there had been something brewing over I don't know how long or how long far back it has gone. Maybe this has something to do with Sean Marks Deeper, everything that had transpired living in Brooklyn, being in New York. I think he just did not like this setting and realized I don't know when i think he real i think he made a realization that he made a mistake coming to the brooklyn nets and used the Kyrie irving negotiations that went terribly wrong as a way to get out of brooklyn so at least it's it, it looks bad and you paint the picture right like oh here we go he didn't like the negotiations and now he wants out but i think he used that as a, as a way to get out and there's a deeper 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 okay. dislike here in yeah. brooklyn
1: that would make more sense but here's what i wonder and i know we only have the information that's out there and we can only only describe what we've seen in front of us. And there's been these thoughts that oh he's the general manager for the last 2 years. And while he may not have been the general manager, he certainly had power and influence rightfully so. He's a great player. If I'm running a team, I'm going to ask my best player what he thinks about teammates, what he thinks about a head coach. Like he should have a voice. I've always defended that. So what the hell went wrong? Like what was the thing then if it wasn't the Kyrie negotiations? They allowed him to have major say on head coach They allowed him, I think, to have major say on player personnel. They allowed him all this major say, like, where did it occur where Durant said, I'm done, I need to change the scenery? Because that's the quote was used, that Durant said to Joseph Tsai, I need to change the scenery. Why? Well, like he embraced all of us. Remember the whole thing about, like, he was embracing being a net. He was talking trash to Nick fans. He understood, hey, this isn't the biggest fan base in the world. Like, it's almost as if he put that... Around him like a blanket. So what the hell happened that we didn't see that that made him say I'm done here?
0: Well, I I don't know. Again, I have no idea what that is, but I will say he has a track record of doing things like this. So it's not like this came out of the blue where. Oh, oh, this is the first time he's done that. You know, he, he, yes, he was a free agent at these other times, but there's been this notion where wherever he goes, he doesn't seem to be happy with the situation. He left Oklahoma city when he was with Russell Westbrook and they blew that three, one lead to the golden state warriors. He then goes to golden state. He gets a couple of titles and we know how that ends with the injury, but we heard speculation all season long. Basically Kevin Durant's out of here. He's he's going to a different team. He's not happy. So now he's here with the nets And the same thing happened again, for whatever reason, personally and professionally, he has not been able to find true happiness with the situation he is in. And the grass is always greener for him on the other side. And I think because it's, the highest level at anything you can do. So he's a top two, three, four basketball player in the world. So you see that and it's, it's on display, but he's still a human. And for whatever reason, wherever he goes over a couple of years of time, he then gets this itch where he's not happy with the situation. And I think if the tipping point was Kyrie and he used it as an excuse to leave. So who are you most pissed at right now? I'm, I'm, I mean I'm most pissed at the ownership but I'm not like over the moon like this is all their fault this this would not have happened if they handled things better if they did this better like yeah that's completely true and if they they gave the keys to the whole arena the keys to the whole franchise officially and that's what I think they should have done this would be we would be moving on to next season. But at the same time, like I could understand from a human perspective how bad and toxic it has been inside of Brooklyn the last couple of years and what has all really been created from the Nets and from their superstars. So I think the Nets, you know, I, I wish it was more of the Dan Gilbert thing where maybe they're not eye to eye with LeBron, but he realizes, hey, if I'm going to win a championship, I need to uh, understand that this the players run the league. And I wish that the Nets had done that because they really screwed this up. But at the same time, like I. I can understand the human nature of it just being done with all the BS and like, I'm pissed. And I, and I, and I really wish that the Duran and Irving were going to be here and we had at least an opportunity to see the championship and, and the ownership understood it was a player's driven league and they have to give the keys over. But at the same time, I'm like, it's self-inflicted wounds that came from the top within the nets. And that's what
1: kind of sparked all this BS. Yeah, dude, I'm not going to sit here and defend the players running everything. I understand the frustration. I understand why that would turn a lot of fans off, but you got to do what you got to do. Winning in the NBA is really, really hard. It's not as simple as, you know, not that rebuilding in baseball is simple or rebuilding in the NFL is simple. It's tough. I mean, I'm a Jet fan. I get it. It ain't easy. But rebuilding in the NBA to me is the toughest of any of the major sports. You need stars. And so I think you've got to play the game. And I think a part of why they were able to attract Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving is because they played the game is because they did hand the keys over. So to hand the keys over. And then, yes, it's been frustrating over the last three years. And yes, the cost has kind of been sunk at times from Joseph's side, but to then try to grab the keys back, that's a disaster. And look, we didn't spend a lot of time on it, but I remember at the end of the podcast we did a few days ago, I said to you, look, after this season, after one last try, If this team isn't close to winning a title, they got to blow it up. And as much as I love Kevin Durant, I'd consider trading him because if you can't win, you may as well blow the whole thing up. And I think I may have even alluded to Jacob deGrom being on a different team is sacrilegious. He's our guy. He's my guy. Kevin Durant was a guy we acquired later in his career. He can play for another team. It's not as if I've got to keep the guy, even if it hurts me long term, because of the idea of I can't let him be on another team, which I do feel about Jake. Like to me, despite all the injury concerns, it would crush me to see Jacob DeGrom wearing any other jersey. Durant's not that guy. So I was willing and I thought it would have been smart to say, "Okay, one last try at this. And if we're not close, let's blow the whole thing up. Imagine what you could get back for Durant. So the idea of trading Kevin Durant would have been something realistic. But for it to happen mm. before you were ready to have it happen, that's the killer. I mean, that's, that's the ultimate killer that we're never going to know if this would have worked or not.
0: Yeah, the unknown there is so painful. At least you can say you tried and you failed and it didn't work and everybody can laugh, laugh at you. But the fact that you couldn't even see it, is so embarrassing. It's just so embarrassing that you couldn't even have the opportunity to see what the what these three superstars look like in the playoffs or this new version of it with Ben Simmons. It's it's it just eats you up inside that you couldn't see the failure. Like you, you know this better than anybody, uh, unfortunately, but you've seen your teams fail. But at least it was like. When the Mets failed, it was they failed on the field because Lucas right. Duda made a bad throw or or Carlos Beltron didn't swing the bat, but at least he had the feeling of like you were at least watching it. It wasn't that uh you know something happened where Carlos Beltron and the Mets were suspended 30 games and couldn't play. It was at least on the field mess. This is all self-inflicted by the by by the team, then to the ownership. They couldn't get along, and it just shows you like. We didn't hear half the things going on, but it must've been such a toxic yes. mess
1: inside yes. of that place. Oh yes. my God. I, I know a few people in that organization. They never give me specifics, but I've you know given my opinion, which is give these guys whatever they want. And I've gotten such pushback over the last few weeks about, oh, you don't even know the half of it. And I'm I, and even when I hear that, I'm like, I don't even care what the half of it was because this is a superstar league. And I know what the other side's going to look like. So Now we have to face the reality that they're going to trade Kevin Durant. They're going to trade Kyrie Irving. And yeah, I've transitioned. I'm sure you have to GM mode of, Mm -hmm. okay, well, what can we get? We are not stands for these players. We are net fans. We are going to be here when they're gone. Mm -hmm. So much like after the Garnett and Pierce era ended, we're here. We want to recover. They don't have their own draft picks. They don't have control of their own draft picks till 2028. So the idea of tanking is out the window. Now, this is, I'll admit this, and I did tweet out earlier that Kevin Garnett ended up playing a few more games than Kevin Durant, which is crazy. But obviously, Kevin Garnett was a corpse of himself when he was sure. out there. No one can question how great Durant was on the floor outside of the four-game sweep of the Boston Celtics. When they went all in with the Celtic trade and Darren Williams started to age, and obviously, Brooke Lopez, who was a fine player, but you know, wasn't a franchise player, they didn't really have a chance to recoup what happened in the Celtic trade. The difference here is they've got a great opportunity to recoup. So in terms of how you get out of this mess, there's no question. The road is easier this way than it was after the Garnett Pierce stuff, when they got nothing for Paul Pierce, when he left as a free agent. And when they finally traded Kevin Garnett, they got Thaddeus young. So and Darren Williams, forget about, it, eventually they ended up, you know, stretch provisioning him where he just came off the books about five weeks ago. So they do have an opportunity. Not that I'm excited about it. I'm not. This is still depressing and sucks, but they have an opportunity to walk out of this with a quote, treasure trove of assets, a chance to pivot away from this era. With that said, even though they've been able to recoup a lot of draft picks, they still don't have their own, which means losing badly is not an option. You know, obviously they can be in the lottery as long as the rockets are worse in terms of the swap years, they're not going to lose anything. So if you assume, Hey, look, Houston's not going to completely jump them. Those they can make those three swaps, not kill them the way it did with the Celtics. Two first round picks are completely Houston's and that's 2024 and 2026. So over the course of the next four years, They can't be too bad, or else it could turn into Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, as we saw. So I ask you, it's been for us as we record this, right around 24 hours since the news broke. Have you been able to shift your mind towards what you need to get back for Durant and then eventually Kyrie Irving?
0: Yeah, and what you said is so true, first off, Evan. And if there's a GM, say what you want about how they handled all this stuff, but if there's a GM that's equipped to handle a rebuild with no draft picks, at least it's Sean Marks. He has a track record of knowing what to do in this situation. So yeah, they can't tank. They got to get picks back and they got to get a star. Now it's not going to be Kevin Durant. Let's not fool ourselves. There's no trade imaginable where that happens. And then because of this insane rule, because they have Ben Simmons, there's like 14 or 15 other really high level players that are off the list. So from there, it gets a little bit tricky. So I think the first part, whenever you're making a deal, you need, three first round picks back. You need to get that back in your back pocket. So yes, you're not tanking at this point, but you have to at least have those other picks and see how things go. So you're not just draft pick lists for all these years and all the swaps that happened with Houston. And then from there, it's finding a partner where you can get a, a somewhat of a star back so you can put a competitive team on on the basketball court. I personally don't really care if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving both go to LA. I don't care if they're separated. Like to me, I know there might be people that are like bitter, like, oh, separate the two guys, see what they did. I don't care. Like you said, we're not, we're not stands for them. We're net fans. So I want to just get the best possible package back. And the more I think about it and the more it kind of jumps in my mind, I think a third team gets involved to help out and try to get this thing in motion. And I think like Brian Windhorst this morning was kind of making these weird hints like Utah could be involved and they could start making moves. So I don't know exactly who the player is at this point. It won't be Kevin Durant. I mean, in a perfect world, I'm thinking they they could get two kind of stars back in draft picks. Uh, but at this point, if you're if you're the Nets, you just you just wait on it and you see the highest bidder and you do things the right way and you make the best trade possible and don't give in too early.
1: Yeah, I, I thought one of the options was to tell Kevin Durant, sorry. Like, we're, we're not trading you. We are going to keep you under contract. You're going to be here next year. Kyrie's going to be here next year. And then at the end of the year, we'll reevaluate. If you're that miserable, we're probably going to be that miserable. We'll trade you. It doesn't appear like they have the stomach to do that. It doesn't appear like they want to have a standoff with Kevin Durant, even though I think it's a standoff they could win. Because I'll say this about Kevin Durant. I don't see him as the kind of guy at this point in his career, who's going to sit out a year. I just, I can't see it turning into that. I can see him moping and being pissed off, but then ultimately, once he's on the court, he's going to try. It doesn't, I don't get the sense at all that the Nets are going to try to do that, but maybe what they are doing, and I'm not saying this is going to work, is they have proceeded with this offseason as if Durant and Irving were coming back. Uh, The trade, obviously, for Royce O'Neal, which if Durant and Kyrie were coming back, would have been a fine trade, even giving up a first round pick, <laughs> right? Keeping Nicholas Claxton, I am disappointed they lost Bruce Brown, but they almost are proceeding as if, yeah, these guys are coming back. And so I'm not saying this is happening, but let's say the best offer they get, the one that they're closest to taking, is a trade offer from the Phoenix Suns, in which you're getting everything. You're not getting Devin Booker. We'll talk more about that, how why they can't acquire him right now because of Ben Simmons. But let's say you're gutting the Phoenix Suns you're getting Bridges, you're getting Aiton, you're getting Cam Johnson, you're getting five number ones. Is it possible Kevin Durant, Rich Kleinman, look at the situation he's going to go to and say, yeah, I have a better chance to win in Brooklyn. Yeah, maybe I should make it work for another year. And Phoenix is probably not the best example because he wants to go there. So maybe Toronto, maybe the Raptors. We've seen your jury's got that ability and that confidence to go trade for a superstar like he did for Kawhi. Let's say there's a package of, Scotty Barnes and OG and OB and a bunch of first round picks and Kevin Durant's not enamored with going Toronto and isn't enamored by the roster he's going to be around is it possible the net game is going to be look this is the best trade this is the one we're going to make and Durant looks at it and says is that really where I want to be over Brooklyn now this is not me as the disgruntled ex-girlfriend trying to come out figure out why I wasn't dumped I'm being honest because they don't have any obligation to trade him where he wants to go. So is it possible that that's the game they play, hoping that Durant says, you know what, F it, I'm going to come back for one year, and at the end of next year, if things don't work out, we'll play this dance again.
0: There's no chance. There's no chance. It's over. <laughs> I- I'm sorry, but it's there's no chance. If they call Toronto and he'll say, well, now I'm sitting out in Toronto, and the Raptors are going to go, But well, we're not making this trade. We're not giving up all these assets without the without the recognition from KD that he said he's going to do this. So Do you think he's going to do happen.
1: that, though? Yes. No, Mike, seriously, you think that Durant, if he doesn't like the destination, he's yes. going to say, and I'm going to sit out for the next three years? I d- I don't. Three, at
0: some point, I think the summer trade's done. I, I really, I think all parties involved because you saw, unless the Nets ownership is that pissed off, but you saw with them the hardball they played. I think Joe Sy is so ready to move on from this that he he doesn't want to go into next season with Kevin Durant sitting out. I think he goes into next season with, we've got Ben Simmons, we've now got our young, we've got DeAndre Aiden, we've got all these young players from the Suns, we're going to go out and play hard, we're going to be a fun, feisty team, we've got draft picks back, and we're stuck in the middle here, and let's hope for the best. And I I think he'll just be happy with that, and because of everything we've heard about how miserable it was in there, how bad it was in there, there's no chance. I see the Nets ownership saying like, all right, let's just keep him around where he won't play and we'll have to deal with this dark cloud for another season. They're ready to just move on and just be 44 and 38 and no one cares.
1: Yeah, look, I, I think you're right that they will trade him and I think they will trade him soon. Um, I What I did, look, I don't know, because I wouldn't have guessed Durant would have demanded a trade. I, I just would be surprised if Durant threatens to teams, I won't go there. I'm going to retire. I'm not going to play. I, he doesn't, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess at this point, Durant may do anything, but, and maybe I'm just hopeful because you want to have every team involved in this. I want every single team involved and ESPN has reported half the teams in the league have contacted the Nets. First of all, every team in the league should contact the Nets. Like what NBA team shouldn't contact the Brooklyn Nets. when One of the best players in the world is available. Now I get, mm-hmm. cause I was talking to a Nick fan last night at the comedy show, Craig and I had, And after he was done laughing at me, I said, would you gut your roster for Kevin Durant? Like, seriously, with where you are in time, like, would you trade me all your picks, the picks you got from Dallas, R.J. Barrett? Like, are you willing to gut it all and just try to win with Jalen Brunson and Kevin Durant? And the guy's like, I can't. And I said, no, of course you can't. Like, what would you do? Right. Yes, you'd, you'd get the last laugh that Durant ended up with the Knicks, but you're probably not winning anything. And then he's 34, right? So I get why it wouldn't make sense, but every team should make the phone call. Do you think he ends up in Phoenix? Like that's the, the prevailing wisdom. That's where he wants to go. The the package is obvious. You take back the Andre eight and you take back Mikel bridges. Maybe you get Cameron Johnson. You get 57 number one picks. Is that, first of all, is that enough for you? Like, would that make you happy if that's the deal that comes out tomorrow?
0: It's not enough, but at this point, I don't think you're going to get anything better. And the only option that you could do that, and yes, I do think he lands in Phoenix, but would be to get more teams involved where you could try to get a star in a different direction. And then the other teams looking to unload salary, whatever it might be. I think that's the connection there. And then the other weird part about it is, you know, the trade value for Kyrie Irving is at an all-time low because of how he played last year, what he's gone through. We saw the fit for other teams interested. Maybe that changes a little bit now knowing the Kevin Durant situation, but it's like, then what do they get back for Kyrie Irving? Is he going to the Lakers? What can the Lakers even offer the Nets? Is it just going to be Russell Westbrook so they can, you know, get the contracts to match and then he's cut or whatever. And the Nets get draft picks back, but it's like, that's a strange part of it, how that connects to Kevin Durant. And I ultimately do see him ending up as a Phoenix sun, but I think there's going to be like a third or fourth team involved in this to make this thing all work together. And uh, I think that's, what's going to take a little more time, but I think it's just the perfect fit. Like he goes back West. He's, he clearly wants to be with more superstars. So he gets Chris Paul is, you know, they work together for a title and then they got their, their scoring guard in Devin Booker. I, I don't see any other logical landing landing spots. Like to me, I, I can't I can't find another logical place that just makes the most sense. And the Suns could probably give us the most
1: back. Yeah, I I'm not gonna dance in the streets about DeAndre Ayton and Mikel Bridges. I'm, I'm not. And all the number ones where God knows what it looks like. I mean, you hope that the Suns eventually blow up the way the Nets did after the Boston trade, but the odds of that happening are very very low. But you have picks, and Sean Marks has shown a great ability to turn those picks into something, the the whole rookie contract fiasco that's gone around over the last few days. And the first I remember hearing about this is when Anthony Davis was available via trade and the Boston Celtics wanted to acquire him. But because they had Kyrie Irving on the roster, they couldn't. And I remember that being a big deal that AD and Kyrie at the time could not be on the same team because both guys would be acquired via trade and are on their rookie max contract. So I remember vaguely that rule being a thing. Now, ultimately, did that cost the Celtics from acquiring Anthony Davis and changing the course of NBA history? I don't know. I'm not sure that was ever going to happen. AD didn't want to go to Boston. But, yeah, ultimately, it wasn't allowed, and they weren't going to give up Kyrie Irving. Here's the difference. I know the list. We all now know the list of all these young stars who technically can't be on the Nets, including all the guys that recently signed their max contracts, Zion Williamson being the latest, Devin Booker being one, Joel Embiid, again, not that that was out there, but just saying, Carl Anthony Towns, Jamal Murray. The one that hurts me is Donovan Mitchell, a guy who I would love for them to target. Bam Adebayo, another guy who would have been a target if Miami's involved. Uh, Luca, not that that was going to happen. But here's why this list and this rule shouldn't be considered the end-all be-all. All the Nets have to do, and I'm not saying any of those guys are available, but let's say hypothetically it happens. Hypothetically, Brian and Windhorse were referring to it on ESPN the other day or this morning. What's Utah doing? Let's say they're blowing it up, and let's say Donovan Mitchell's available. And I think you and I would agree, much to the chagrin of many Nick fans who want him, that Donovan Mitchell would be that kind of young star that would excite us as a return in a Kevin Durant trade. Agreed? True, yes. Well, let's say it's out there. And let's say there's a deal where you can get Mitchell, you can get picks, and it can work. Then you call up every other team in the league and say, all right, Ben Simmons is available. Like, and Ben Simmons, while he may not have the value that he would have had two years ago, and yeah, it would suck to move him when he hasn't played in over a year. If there is a guy on this list that you have a chance to get, you're going to do it. It was different with the Celtics. They weren't going to get rid of Kyrie Irving soon after acquiring him, Anthony Davis. Like, it was a different situation. If one of these guys, if the Phoenix Suns say, you know what, you got us. You can get back, Devin Booker. Okay, we'll do it. Well, then guess what? Now you get on the phone and you start exploring the value of Ben Simmons. So I don't think we should look at this list as a, well, forget all these names, you can't acquire them. Yeah, currently with the way the roster is structured, you can't acquire them but there are possibilities in which you can change the look of your roster to acquire one of those guys.
0: Yeah, it is doable, but it's just one more step and one more thing. And then you have to deal Simmons and you get the right value back. So yeah, I guess in theory you could make that, that, that happen. But the whole idea is I, I don't, you know, now living this rule is so silly that what, what what's happening here that you can't make that list. And as if they were able to pull that off, then you have to, like I said, you then got to go and try to move Simmons here and not get equal value. And maybe you think they should be paired up together. I don't know. The whole thing just seems kind of wacky and convoluted and, and doesn't help. And, and, you know, not the spirit of just trying to build your team to the best ability.
1: Look it none of this is going to be easy. I mean, that's why no. the whole thing is going to be complicated. Like if Kyrie Irving ends up with the LA Lakers, I would hope the Nets are not going to bring back Russell Westbrook, even though he needs to be in the deal. The hope is Russ ends up with a third team. The hope right. is the net return is someone that's not on the L.A. Lakers. And look, I, I'm not vengeful, so I'm not going to rule any team out. And that, by the way, would include the New York Knicks. I am not ruling any team out. I need to get the best return. We as fans need the biggest hope moving into the future. And if that means Kai gets exactly what he wants by going to the LA Lakers, so be it. If that means Kevin Durant gets exactly what he wants or the opposite, these guys are miserable. You just have to maximize the return. And that's the priority. I don't care about conferences. I don't care about divisions. That's why, look, the Raptors right now, if they're engaged in this, to me present maybe the sexiest option. And that's OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes and all the picks in the world that that's a that offer makes me look how many times did you and I talk about Scotty Barnes in his rookie year saying "Boy, that kid can play. Boy, that kid is good if all of a sudden he's on our team yes he's not Kevin Durant that, that would excite me a little bit wouldn't it well I think the idea of
0: getting somebody that's in their second season super young I don't know his exact age but if you can get get a second-year player that showed incredible promise their rookie year, at least you feel like you have a trajectory with something to be great in the future. I like DeAndre Aiden. He is only like 23 years old, but I think he's is what he is and won't get too much better. But if you can get somebody that has the ability to turn into a superstar in the next two to four years and they're under a controllable contract, that's the best bet because then you could have the idea of, we're a young, up-and-coming team with young stars, with a Ben Simmons, with a Scotty Barnes. We're building for something, and we're getting better. And 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 then not knowing that we've hit the ultimate ceiling, it's more of we could get better because whatever the deal is, if you're getting a veteran star, that kind of like if like for example, let's say you did a deal and you got CJ McCollum and picks. You, you CJ McCollum's a really good player and could be a nice member of a team that's going for a title as a third guy, but you're like we're not winning. This no. is what it is. At least you have like the hope with a young, young player. Cause like, to me, that's the best version of it, right? You trade for a yes. draft pick. You're hoping that one of those picks turns into Scotty Barnes. And that's like the, like the praying for that here. It's the guarantee of it. And let's just see what happens. So yeah, if you could get a young player controllable, that's the best bet. Um, You know, we'll the Sean Marks do that. Probably not. It's probably well, going to be, it's probably going to be, it's, I, I see this Phoenix thing finally. I, I really think that comes together. The thing
1: is, you look back at the Pelican return on Anthony Davis, where everybody knew he was going to the L.A. Lakers. The leverage that they had was nothing compared to what you would assume the Nets have with Kevin Durant. And Kevin's better. Granted, he's older. You would think they have more leverage and they have the better player. And the Pelican return was really good. I and mean, when you look at what they walked away with, Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, and I think it was two number one picks, maybe three, Obviously I'd want even more picks, but they walked away with two really good young players. And my expectation is the Durant package needs to be a lot better. So all the picks in the world, however, that turns into three number ones, four pick swaps, whatever the hell you want to define it. And then hopefully two really good young emerging players. Cause you're right. If you're over 30, why would, why would you even think about it? You are, Mm. you're not a rebuilding blow it up team, but you're a young team. And, Listen, I what bothered me the most in a lot of ways is having to tell my son about this because he's five. He doesn't get it. And every morning we play basketball and he imitates Kevin Durant. And now I've got to explain to him that all these guys that we loved over the last few years, they're gone. And this one will make you laugh and cry at the same time. So I tell him, I said, let you I got bad news. And he said, oh, is everything all right? We still going to the Met game tonight? I said, yeah, no, no, no. It's sports related. And he said, everything okay with Jake? I said, yeah, he's many you. I know it really is. I said, unfortunately, we're going to trade Kevin Durant. And he said, why? And I said, he doesn't want to be here anymore. Simple as that. He doesn't want to be here anymore. And look, it stinks. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you, but we are going to get some good young players back and we'll see what happens. And his first reaction is maybe we can beat him when we play him. And Mm. I said, yes, that's great. But then the second thing he said really killed me. And he said, and you know what else, dad? I said, what? He said, at least we still have Kyrie Irving.
0: <laughs> and then you said,
1: ah, uh, we're not going to have him either. I had to tell the truth. Yeah. And why? I gotta, uh, why? And I said, well, yeah. I think we have to really start over. And they're great players, but it didn't work here. And so other than that, he was all right. But then he asked me 10 minutes later, is it OK if I still root for Kevin Durant? Mm. I'll still root for the Nets. But so when the Nets play Kevin Durant, I'm rooting for the Nets. But when Kevin Durant plays, can we root for him? And my answer to was him. You're allowed to do that. I will not be doing that. <laughs> I will not. be
0: <laughs> Oh, man. It was weird, too, Evan, because when I I heard the news, I was sitting in a coffee shop doing work and I saw a tweet about the Royce O'Neal trade. I saw that first. Oh, really? I was in a good mood. I was like, OK, I like this. I, I get they're giving up the first round pick, but. This fits what they need. And then I looked in the thread under it and people were like, what does it matter? Kevin Durant's not coming back. What does it matter? KD's not here. And I, my first thought was, man, people are just such trolls that they're going to come up with these ideas even when he's under, under contract. And then three minutes later, I got a text message in a group thread and it was from a Celtics fan. And I saw it, and I froze and I was in a meeting and I said, I have to go. And I canceled the meeting from work. Cause hmm. I was like, I need, I need to process what just happened. And then like, you know, you, the, the phone was, was buzzing and uh, the rest is history.
1: We'll never forget it. Look, June 30th is going to live in net history, the beauty and the height of 2019 and the depression of 2022, uh, real quick. And we'll do many more podcasts as this rolls on, obviously in reaction to trades, as the rumors start to heat up, my prediction is Phoenix My prediction is we're going to get the Andre Ayton, We're going to get Mikel Bridges. We'll probably get Cam Johnson. We'll probably get the three number ones, the four number ones, whatever the max is. I think that's the return that the Nets get in this trade. I'm not as sure with Kyrie Irving. I would guess it's either the Lakers or the Mavericks. And I would lean a little bit towards Dallas. And I wouldn't be stunned if Spencer Dinwiddie's back because it makes a little bit of sense financially, but there isn't going to be a great return on Kai. Like they'll get a piece back here and there, but it's not going to be anything crazy. And so I think we are looking at that kind of roster going into next year, Aiton and Bridges and Ben Simmons and Joe Harris and Patty Mills. That's Uh, my prediction. What are yours? You think the same thing or something different? I think it's very similar.
0: I I really do. And that's probably all we've really heard so far. So this is, uh, that's all I think it's going to be. Yeah. I think it's something like that. And if it's at Dallas or the, the Lakers and then, the only thing difference is I could see a third team jumping in on that sun trade where pizzas are going in other directions. And there's some players that we get that, uh, you know, maybe we're not listening or, or heard about right now. And I just want to end on this because I think it would just be fascinating. But I would love if we could ever just get Joe Harris off the record to just talk about everything he saw from like the beginning when he got there and they were, no one talked about and no players to then being this team that was kind of fun and feisty to then getting stars and seeing the erosion internally. I'd love to get him off the record, just be about everything he's seen oh, in the last five years. Totally. Tremendous. He,
1: he could write a book. I mean, he has really seen it all from the pits of disaster off the scrap heap to the rise in 19 to the Durant Kyrie era to now this. You're 100% mm-hmm. right. Uh, and hopefully he'll be on the roster at the start of next year. No guarantee. <laughs> That's true. And uh, He may be gone for all we know. So we'll do some more pods as time rolls on. Obviously, at Mike Delivers Pod to check out Paseglia. Definitely check out the Bad Weather Fans podcast. I will be listening to that on my way to the Met game tonight just to hear uh, Alex's glee in the demise of the Brooklyn Nets, yeah. and obviously your pain. I'm sure it will be a very good listen, as painful as it may be.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Evan. Yes, it was it was so much fun uh, having to, in- to endure that with a Knicks fan it was uh, it's like taking medicine, but but well, it is what it is.
1: Listen to what I have to do every day. I that's have to fair. deal with this on fair the enough. air <laughs> and find out the news with Craig, oh. as lethal as humanly possible as it was happening. So that's true. This this is our lot in life, net fans. This is our lot in life. Thank you for listening to the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast.